0: Hello and welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane, and today we have a guest, Chad Estes. He's the Executive Vice President of Business Operations for Dallas Cowboys and Legends. Chad! Hi. What's up, Rob? Thanks for having me. No, thank you for having me. Uh, Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining uh, Front Office Features. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, Big shout out to Allie Brennan. She is a wonderful person. You are uh, Ohio University Uh, undergrad and grad she is getting her grad program and she might be the best connector of people this podcast may have ever seen in its existence
1: well good for her and uh i appreciate her as well I had a chance to meet her on a campus visit uh a couple months ago and we've kept in touch and she's got a, a great future ahead of her for sure
0: she sure does she sure does um So I want to kind of get from the start, right? Like I like to talk a little bit about origin stories and you've been with the Cowboys and for like ever feel, you know, for 15 years or so. Um, But you started as a telemarketer for the Cavs. Yeah. I want to ask you a question in this. I get a lot of people, uh, whether it is uh, college professors or people just saying like, Hey, why don't you just get your foot in the door and start in sales? What is your opinion of that advice, and how is like beginning starting as a telemarketer kind of catapulted your, you know, started yeah. and growing your career?
1: Well, that was the same advice I was given. Um, I like the advice because if you want to get into sports, that's probably the most higher and entry level job that I've seen. Um, so it is a true way to get in. Now, I certainly prefer. People have a desire to sell if you're going to go do that, but certainly people have gotten into those entry level sales positions and then have moved on throughout other areas of the organization. And that's worked out fine. I I tell young people today, even if you do that for a year, um, you know, you're going to develop a skill set that's good for life um, to learn how to get on the phone and ask people questions and try and have it lead to a result. Um, is an awkward and uncomfortable thing to do um, for most people. And to kind of learn how to do that and learn the skill set of it, um, you know, has benefits in all kind of actually all aspects of life. So I like it as a, a baseline place to start. Um, and uh, I didn't know if I had any interest in sales, if I'd be any good at sales. I knew nothing about it. Um, that was recommended to me. And I was like, OK, I guess that's what I need to do. And I jumped right in. I got off to a real rocky start and, uh, and kind of. Oh, so
0: how, what do you mean you got off to a rocky start? What do you mean?
1: Well, uh, I, I honestly, I wasn't that good at, um uh, <laughs> naturally. Um, and I found it to be very uncomfortable. I mean, you know, we're sitting there staring at a phone, my calling a bunch of random people that don't really want to talk to me. Um, you've intruded on their day. Uh, you have to ask them things that aren't natural in conversation and then you need this result or you're not having any success. All of that was terribly uncomfortable to me. Um, and so, yeah, I got off to a rocky start and <clears> had to kind of find my way through. And, and um, quite honestly, I had to kind of teach myself the skill of selling, uh, which I started to invest in reading and listening to back then cassette tapes. And uh, we didn't have a lot of formal training then, which there's a lot more of that now. So uh, I started to focus on, on how to teach myself the skill Um, And that really helped me a lot. Um, And I started to get a little better at it. And then I started to enjoy it. So
0: we share the same thing. I was started out in group ticket sales in Battle Creek, Michigan. And I didn't sell anything for like two or three months. And not one ticket, like not one. And I got sat down by my now mentor father figure in my life, his name is Marty Cordero. And it was like, hey, you know, like the point of selling is to like sell stuff. <laughs> sell. right?" I was, yeah. like, I was like, it's like, you got to get it going. And I was like the best kick in the ass that I ever got because it was like you kind of had to go. You didn't. I don't know. I don't know about you, but like I didn't know like what being a professional meant. Right. I was just like almost like college extended. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, well, there's a lot of that. And that leads me into that can lead me down mm. a whole path of I I talk to young people that start. And we get into this discussion and and I frame the question, how important is your career to you? And um, because I've seen such a wide spectrum of that. People are like, oh, this is cool. I got a job in sports and this is fun. And and it's a job and it really needs to start out as a career. And if you want to make some sacrifices early on for the benefit of your future, um, you get yourself in a much better position to start out being successful. And there's a whole range of sacrifices that can and and uh, potentially be made if someone chooses to, that I think can set themselves up better. And um, I certainly found myself doing that. And um, there's just a level at some point of like, what does this mean to you and how serious are you about it? And that'll start to dictate some of the choices people make early on in, in their career. And I think that's a really important kind of thought for people to think is, is uh, this is, I, if you want to break through, you better make it really important. And then you better start making those sacrifices. And it's still not guaranteed. But um, I think that's uh I think that's the mindset that people need to get into.
0: Totally agree. That's a great way to like self-reflection a little bit, right? Is like, all right, do I want to do I want a career or do I want a job? I have plenty of friends who have like jobs, right? Like yeah. they go in nine to five, they punch the thing that fine, right? Like that's their thing. But I I pride myself on having like a career and career growth and such. And like either path is fine. You just got to be honest with yourself on what you want.
1: That's right, Rob. And I, I think a lot of people are 22, 23, 24 years old. and They might not know yet. So those conversations are very helpful to get them to think about it. I've had people sit in front of me and say, I've never thought about it that way. And I said, are you having a career? Do you have a job? And if you're having a career, then you need your need to have aspiration. And the aspiration is to become something um, beyond what you are today, and I also like people to try and find the people that you want to be like and emulate, and, and it's, it could be a job. If you're a sales rep and you admire your director of sales, you want to be that someday. Well, there's a path, um, and we can start talking about the things that need to be done to to uh, to maybe achieve that. Um, you know, when I, I my third job was with the Detroit Pistons, I was an account executive, and Tom Wilson was the CEO. And, uh, you know, I had some exposure to him and I kind of held him in high regard. And I I would say to myself, I want to be him. I I like how that looks. I like what he's I like what he does on a day to day basis. And um, Tom Wilson's car was the first one pulled into that parking lot at Palace Auburn Hills every day, too. And um, so there's a there's a lot to learn by looking at somebody and saying, God, I'd I'd like that job someday. How do you how do you get to be that?
0: So, what are some of those things that you think uh, help navigate you through that? Right, you're. I would say, like at the beginning of your career, you're kind of at this top of your funnel, right? You kind of have a million different paths you could potentially go. Like, what are some of the advice that you have to narrow said path?
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing I like to think about, you know, take someone in a telemarketing job, or or it can be anything. But the first, the first thing I would say is you need to be good at your job. Just the the way you got <laughs> called in, like, best. hey, man, you know, you're kind of in a sales job here. Um, so it's like, okay, well I need to figure out how to be successful in the job I'm in. If you're not at least pretty good at it, then you're really going to have a hard time being looked at as someone to move through the system. So, uh, my first thing is put the blinders on and and get committed to the task at hand and entry-level jobs are usually pretty task oriented and it's not hard to figure out what are they asking me to do here. Um, then, Once you're good at your job, um, I think you can open up a whole different world, which is to start to network with people. I'm a big proponent of find the people in the organization that are willing to have a cup of coffee or a drink in in the afternoon after work. And we'll talk about their careers and how they got there and start to learn what people are doing in these middle manager or senior level positions and start to think if you like what it looks like. Um, And then I think you could start to find your path. or And it's easier to say there's a job someone's in. I just went and met with that person for an hour to learn how they got there and what they like about their job. And um, it's helping to find, you know, if that's something that I would be interested in. So that's starting to help narrow by Mm -hmm. finding people. Well, then there, we might, we could get into it, but then let's get into it. um, We're a
0: podcast. We can get into this all
1: day. All right. So (laughs) once you've kind of identified a bit of a path and you found some of those people, by the way, by meeting with them, not only are you learning, you're planting seeds um, with them about what your aspirations are. So when I have a young person that wants to meet with me, which I do often, and um, I can tell they're very career oriented and aspire to be more that's in my mind now when I have jobs that come up down the road or someone asks me at another team, I'm looking for someone. I'm like, oh, I met with this person for coffee and they, they seem like me. So, so you start to help people make connections that way. But after you've become good at the task, you've identified a little bit of where you want to go. Then there's a whole set of things that I think you need to start doing in the job. One thing I talk about a lot, which a lot of people don't, is be likable. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it sounds kind mm. of corny to talk about that in the workplace, but it's true. Now, we could define how to be likable. You have to be yourself, but are you a great teammate? And a, a teammate to me is defined as, do you care for the people around you? And are you willing to do something for someone around you that might not go noticed by a leader or manager because you're a good person and you want to be helpful? And um, so if you, if you show up, a- go ahead.
0: No, no, go ahead. no, it's like it's just a build upon that point is like, you gotta be valuable to them. You can't be the one always asking for help or asking for this. It's fine to do that. But like, you also have to provide value back to your other teammates, in my opinion, because then that's how it works. That's how you build trust. That's how you build camaraderie. And people like to work with people that they like, right? Like, then they can trust. Um, But if you're always the person asking and you're never giving, you're gonna put yourself in a tough spot.
1: Yeah, and some of that can just be look, I have a lot of empathy and compassion for people that come out of college, get into a sales job, all of a sudden they're in an office for eight hours a day, banging out phone calls. It's not easy. It's not an easy job. Mm-mm. Their life changed dramatically from what they were just doing. We go to class for two to three hours a day, and you've got, you know, you're having college is fun. <laughs> true. It is is less fun. I mean, it's <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you're true. like, man, my my life has changed. And it can be hard. And so I think to your story, to my story, everybody needs some grace on working through you know, that period of time. You know what's helpful is having people around you that become your friends and that care about your success and that you can lean on. Well, that's developed by having people that understand what it's like to be a good teammate. You go two weeks without making a sale and the person in the cube next to you is like, you know, what can I do to help? Hang in there. Um, and, and, you know, so, so there's a whole thing around just being kind to the people around you that starts. And if you're positive, that's the other thing come to work. How do you show up positive, energetic, you know, people want to be around those kind of people. You complain all the time, or you're a woe is me, or, you know, that's not what people are looking for.
0: No, I, I've, uh, we've said this on this podcast, I don't know, a billion times. There's two things in life you can control. Effort and attitude. I should put effort and attitude on the t-shirt um and make a bunch of money off of that. Yeah. But effort and attitude are like the exact same thing. You go in and you try your ass off and you do it with a smile on your face, you'll be incredibly surprised how far that will take you.
1: Yep. Could agree more. Um so I, I think you're hitting on it. And you know, I talk about things like likability and be a good teammate, but that's all the same. It's it's effort and attitude. Then you sprinkle in you're doing pretty well at your job. Then you're seeking the guidance of executives on career and life. And uh, you just do those things and you set yourself up, you know, pretty well to be viewed as someone that has high potential. Then you get into the sacrifices of um, someone says, well, we got an opportunity in Milwaukee. Do you want to go take advantage of that? And, you know, it seems like nowadays, maybe about half the people are willing to go move for the next and the next that, you know, and I'm not critical of that because if someone wants to live in a market, that's their choice. But if you're, if you have made career a nine out of 10 on the list of things that are important in your life, then you're going to make some early sacrifices, not care where you live during the first 10 years. The other thing I'm a big proponent of is if you want to make those kind of sacrifices in the first 10 to 12 years of your career, When you're 20 years into your career, you should be at a place that you're feeling pretty good about. If you don't make those sacrifices early on, you can get behind. And now you're kind of scrambling. You're like, man, I didn't get there. I'm not. I tell people be a little more choosy about where you live when you're a vice president, not when you're a ticket sales rep. Um,
0: Totally agree. Like, think about how, you know, I got two kids, right? Like, it's my life now is like to pick up and move would be like, a really big thing. But when I was 24 and we were going from Battle Creek to Omaha to Scranton, like pre-k, like, yeah, just pick up and and, and do yeah. it, right? That's where opportunity lies. Opportunity could lie in a whole bunch of other places. Yeah, I could man, not I, agree the, with you more. The
1: decision tree on where to go with your next job Ron, <clears throat> should really – mine was solely based on does this help me get to where I'm trying to go long term? And if the answer was yes, I was doing it.
0: How did you decide, how did you come up with uh, the long-term strategy, right? Like you were trying to build that and then you were, then there's the smaller steps, like, right, you were in Tampa Bay, right? You were in, um, you were in uh, Detroit. Like, how did you create the long-term vision and then the plan to accomplish the long-term vision?
1: Well, creating a long-term wasn't very strategic. I, I was like, well, I guess someone runs the business ops, (laughs) All teams. Like I got into it. I'm like, well, there's the guy (laughs) has. And I I met Tom Wilson. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like he's, he's the guy. I was in Tampa. Michael Yormark was my, um, chief revenue officer when I was VP of sales. I'm like, well, that job is bigger and looks like you get paid more and has a little more to it than mine. I was just like, why shouldn't I try and get to where I could run one of these one day is it was just, that simple, like someone's going to do it. And, and I want to and I knew I was willing to try to do all the things to position yourself to do that. I, I had made the career that I was going to try and uh, climb in sports, uh, maybe my number one priority. I mean, and then I later I started having kids and, you know, your priorities change a little bit. But when I was when I first came out of school, I was just like, this is it. I'm going all in on this. And, um, so I just, I just shot for the top. Um, yeah, right. and then my, my thought was, well, there's a lot of steps between where I am now and there, and how do I navigate this? And I would talk to a lot of people. I spent a lot of time asking people if they would spend time with me. And again, I had great mentors, um, you know, John Sezeski in Detroit, Buffy Philippel, and I worked for her at Teamwork, um, Jim Taylor at the Cavs, Michael Yormark was phenomenal um so i was i was chatting with people about that all the time and and trying to figure it out
0: i guess now you know with people who are coming out i see a lot of it like there's some people coming out of school or maybe early in their career that they are kind of narrowly focused and they've got it but if you're still kind of i'm not really exactly sure what to do what advice would you give them like sports has changed so much in such a media driven business right like um and along with a lot of other things like how would you say like to start narrowing that funnel down even if like maybe you're in college or just out of it or like you're kind of like you know two three four years into your career like how do you think that's the best way to start getting it uh with a changing sports industry
1: yeah so so first of all my expectation that someone knows exactly what they want to do when they come out of college is low i just think that's hard Until until you start living it every day and you're around it every day You really don't know. You might have an idea. People change all the time. That's all good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm unconcerned. If I meet a someone in their twenties and they're like, I'm still not totally sure what I want to do, keep exploring. And you know what? You'll probably change it a couple of times in the next five to 10 years. Anyways, I think that's totally fine. I I, I do think, um, you know, if someone's not in it yet, once you get in, you should you really need to start paying attention to what's around you and look around. And I tell people, don't just meet with your manager about your career. Go meet with someone in three other departments and pick their brain. We've tried to create a culture at the Cowboys where, uh, and, and I, I frame it to our leadership simply as, you know, go grab coffee, is we call these non-agenda meetings. And the expectation of my leadership team is if a young person our organization asks you for time, you're gonna give it, it's gonna get put on your calendar and you're gonna go sit down and have a chat and um, let them ask you questions and let them explore. And we have people move within different departments here all the time because they meet someone, develop a relationship, think they wanna do something different and make a move. So I just think you gotta get in, Um, you gotta still try and be good at whatever you're being tasked to do, then open up your eyes and mind to what's around you and see what else there is now that now we're talking about a team. Your point is the industry in my 30 years in this industry, the growth has been just like you can't even comprehend, you know, what it is today, where it was when we started. And, um, you know, for example, I worked for Legends, which is an agency um, with all these services that we're providing, there was nothing quite like that, you know, 25 years ago. You, I just thought I'm going to work for a team, it wasn't even. I would have never even thought, oh, there's a company that's providing services to teams and facilities. Maybe that's an option. Uh, Well, now there's a lot more options. Um, So uh, so I think, you you know, but I do think somewhere in that kind of five to seven year range, you should probably know because you got to get focused at some point. And um, and, you know, if you're getting elevated, you know, I, I was going through some steps. That's one good thing about the sales side you're the telemarketer, you're an account executive, then you're a senior account executive, then you're selling premium, then maybe you're running telemarketing, or you jump over to sponsorship. Like there's this kind of known path. path. And um, not every department has as much of that movement as maybe on the sales side.
0: So <clears throat> you started an inside sales program, if I uh, if I am correct, in, in Detroit, right? So you're then looking at a whole bunch of college age kids looking to break in and doing the whole foot in the door thing, which I said, don't put a foot in the door, go through like, you know, the whole body through the door, right. Nail the run through the door. Right. Um, But there's a lot of people like, well, I don't have any sales. I don't have any sales experience. Maybe this one's not for me. And like, I don't really know. I was like, what did you see in those resumes or maybe the resumes that you see now that, you know, maybe they don't have the experience, you know, I worked for X team and I sold Y team through college and blah, blah, blah. But like, what did you see in those that made people pop and be like, yep, let's go talk to that person. Let's go talk to her. Let's go talk to him. Like, what were some of the things that you saw that uh, made you go, yep, we're going to have a conversation?
1: Yeah. So uh, what college they attended, what degree they have, and if they have any sales experience were non-factors to me. Right. Uh, i really don't care um they really none of that ever in all my experience of hiring salespeople, what college they went to what degree they got and if they had sales experience never added up to making a good salesperson um it was they're from all over the place with all kinds of different degrees and it just doesn't matter so it it really is all about um, you know kind of who they are as a person and there's some personal skills um, that you like to see um, confidence and a bit of a presence and someone that, you know, uh, if you ask them a question in an interview, you're, you're getting a couple sentences back, you know, maybe not five <laughs> words, you know, someone that can really converse, someone right. that might have the skill of asking questions. I mean, that's a big one because that's how we sell everything is we do it by asking open-ended questions. But so you're, you're, you're starting to understand the personality of somebody and then I and then I want drive, work ethic drive, someone who's dealt with some adversity and overcome it, and then someone who can explain to me why they would be a good teammate. So those are those end up being the characteristics that I end up interviewing for if I'm interviewing a salesperson.
0: Like you got to build a story around you. What everybody is unique, right? So how what is your story? How is it unique? How does it pertain to the business? And not only can it do that next, this job that you're interviewing for, but also are you a growth candidate, right? Like if you look at someone being interviewed be like, yeah, I think they can do a great job here, which could lead to who knows what down the road. That's good.
1: Yeah. So, so Rob, the way we've, the way we've done it and the way I always looked at it was I was trying it when I was interviewing and hiring entry-level salespeople I was looking at them with the eye of, are you a future VP? That's what I, because I thought someone who had high (laughs) career aspirations, first of all, that was great. If someone just proactively said that in the interview, like I've got big dreams and goals, I'm chasing them. Um, I don't know how I'm going to get there yet, but I'm going to bring work ethic to the table. And I, uh, this is really important to me. Like, you know, I could write a little bit of the script of the things I like to hear. Um, And so if someone's bringing that into the discussion um, because here was the pillar of how I wanted to lead was one of the pillars is, is via is through career development. Meaning I would tell someone, and I do this all the time still today is like, here's our deal. Um, I'm here to help you develop your career. Um, And I, and that's, that's like the first thing that I'm going to tell you is if you have career aspirations, I'm on board now I'm with right. you. And we're, I'm going to try and see that through for you. What you're going to do in return for me is try and be really good at the job that we're asking you to do. And by the way, the motivation is set because if you have aspirations and you think I generally am willing to help you, um, then we never have to talk about you being motivated. You're already motivated by yeah, right. the fact that I can help you and you're trying to grow your career. So it's a great way to start a relationship um and then what i have what's been helpful now over all these years is i have a ton of proof so i have proof of concept i'm not just saying hey i'm going to help you and you hope i am yeah right show you look at all these people that have kind of come to our sales program by the way two of my first hires in detroit uh, in the telemarketing program are Mike Andreco and Chris Hibbs. One of them is president of global sales for legends. And the other one is president of global partnerships for legends. No, and no,
0: no big jobs, nothing like that.
1: It's pretty crazy. I mean, Why? Like, you know, um, but it's the best because, you know, Mike Tolman, who's co-president of legends was my mm. intern um, at the Cavs. And that's incredible. By the way, Mike might be, and it runs our <laughs> college division. We used to say at legends, we gotten pretty big now, but, who worked at the Cavs at some point, like half the room. <laughs> half the room raised were, their hand, yeah, hand. But my, my point is, that's been my agreement with people. That's how I've tried to live as a leader. And uh, you know what happens when you've got that going is you attract talent. So people yeah. are like, man, if you go there, look at all these examples of people that have grown their career through that program. And then you start to attract the best people.
0: I also think that's a great question. Uh, for entry-level people asking, like, tell me a little bit about the track record of this program. How have people moved through it? One, it's, I think it would be a unique, interesting question, but also shows you, like, there's growth for you here and kind of understand that. And then also kind of, I would write those names down as almost like networking people that you can go then reach oh. out to after that, because then you absolutely have something in common. If they made it through, you know, the... Detroit Pistons telemarketing program. And now they're the president of legends, right? Like you have that connection. Um, and well, I
1: think- we, To your point, we we created uh, what we called like a family tree. And we've put all these names and titles and logos of people that have kind of come through the sales program. And we'll show someone that we're recruiting. Like this is an example. Some these people all started out in- a job like what we're talking to you about. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have to philosophically be willing and not everybody is. That's why it's a good question. If you're a candidate, um, you know, there's some people in places that believe if I have a talented person, my job's to just keep them and not expose them to things. And we don't want to lose. And uh, I've always been a believer of I'll promote someone right out of our organization that's super talented because if I continue to just live that way, We'll just continue to roll talent through here time and time. That one person who was super talented, maybe did have a great future, but you didn't want to hold them back, isn't worth all the talent that can kind of come pouring through if people view you as a place that really grows people.
0: Totally agree. So we do, I think we talk a lot on our podcast about, you know, entry-level and uh, people who are starting their career early in their career. But I'm going to kind of switch the conversation to you now hire – middle and senior level people. How have you seen people separate themselves in those kind of, you know, people going from manager to director, director to VP or, you know, VP to, you know, EVP, right? Like what are some of the things that you see in those people making that next step?
1: Hmm. You know, I mean, to some degree, I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by people that do their jobs better than I could do them. I mean, you know, you you start to, to see people um, develop a skill set in certain things and you're like, you know, I that's the best person to do that job. They're proving it time and time again. You know, when you build a confidence in someone, you're like, I could give that person anything and they're just going to deliver. Um, I think people that take initiative, people that um, it's like you start to see people at a senior level kind of over delivering. And and sometimes even um, in a surprising way, sometimes when you give somebody more than you thought they could, and then you're like, oh boy, they just crushed all of that. And I didn't even really see that coming. And people start to elevate themselves. I think you made a comment earlier, people start to make themselves invaluable. And, um, you know, in some of these senior level jobs, some jobs that report to me now, Um, you'll show up at a big presentation with someone and they'll just deliver. And you're like, wow, like that person has gotten to kind of rock star status. Like they can get up in front of that room and really deliver that. Or, you know, we're working on a big RFP within Legends right now. And one of our key people is kind of spearheading that. And they sent the 33 page document that they coordinated with like 10 people and it was super buttoned up. Yeah, I love I mean, that. It was I read that and I'm like Man, I don't even really have anything to add here. And you're like, "Wow, the person who worked on that, you know. So people start doing things. There was a gentleman that um we gave a project to at Legends um that was hopefully going to turn into a major stadium project. We're in the interim process, but we need a point person to coordinate what was at the time kind of almost consulting until it became a a real project. We were discussing who could run that project if it became a project. And I said, that person's great, but they're not ready yet. In the four to five months of the consulting interim, every time I turned around, they had done something that I, they thought about it before I had. They went and met with the client and took care of it. They created a three-page deck summary, and it was on point. They communicated in email beyond my expectations. And what happened was that person ended up running the project. Right. And so, you know, people just, you start seeing people step up and become invaluable. And uh, especially, you know, I see a lot of this in Legends, you know, people are doing things like better than i actually think i could do them myself. You're just like, wow. Like thank god for these people.
0: Yeah, that's i i that's i think going above and beyond, right, is kind of that next step. is like you know, I, I
1: like that. I like that.
0: Yeah. It's just like it, you know, when you start getting it, right? You're 10, 12, 15, you know, i'm probably i don't know, 20 years of my career, or so like you can you know where the next step is. Just like get there first. And then be able to show that you can do that is, I think that that shows vision, right? And I Let think me, you
1: know what, Rob. Maybe a good way to say it too is uh, if you're one of those people and you're striving to get to that higher, higher, higher level. Here, here's what I like: somebody that's willing to take some of their own risks to uh, put themselves out there on a, a task or a project, not always come back and have to have you tell them exactly how you want it or what all the answers are. And they, they're willing to be like, I have the confidence to just try and do this the way I think it, I should do it and see if it's gonna turn out and meet Chad or Rob's expectations or maybe exceed them. If you have to take some risks along the way and you have to develop some confidence that you know how you wanna do it and it's going to be right. You know, I have someone that works for me on the booking of events at AT AT&T Stadium. She started out as my intern, was then my admin, then got into booking. We've been working together now for like 14 years. I watch Delaney now negotiate stadium deals with people I used to deal with and talk to, and then handle the contract back and forth, button it all up, quarterback it across our organization, and, you know, rock star. And you're just like... um, and taking all that off my plate. So yeah, it's like she has the confidence to just go now. She'll tell me, yeah, I'm going to cut this deal. Is that good? I'm like, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That that sounds pretty good, right? Like (laughs) exactly. So it's just a step up, but probably the difference between the people that are, that are getting there and getting put in those real next level positions is being willing to take some risks to say, I'm not going to go back and ask. I've got this. You got this. Let's go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Totally, totally, totally agree. Um, I also think I'm gonna get in the minutia a little bit, right? You talked a lot about making decks. You talked a lot about email communication, quarterbacking through uh, internal all this stuff is that's done by typing on a keyboard and writing the material. If there's anything I would go back on and as my early days is say like, be, great at english and grammar and like if you can be able to communicate concisely professionally uh respond in a timely manner that gets you a lot and it's pretty simple stuff right like understanding where periods and commas go right like and using the right terminology but being concise and you don't have to have like a 74 page uh email that could have been done in three sentences that's is a skill that at least I know I can forever improve upon.
1: I think you, the term you use that of all of what you just said that I pick out the most is being concise. People have a lot going on. People's capacity, everybody's distracted. If you can summarize a, a situation, maybe you've got eight to 10 people on email and you go, here's what we need to do. Boom, boom, boom. Good, get it out. People that do that well, that's a, that's a that's a really beneficial trait. Um, clear the clutter, make it make it real concise, and go. I totally agree with that. It's, um, it,
0: I I think bullet points are underrated. I do. I'm going to say yeah. it out loud. Bullet points are underrated.
1: Now <coughs> we, we we are also talking about a lot of stuff here, but one thing we haven't talked about is um, relationship building. Which you know we're we're flat out 100 in the relationship business. You are every day. Same. I am every day. I'll go back to a comment we made earlier because we're talking about a lot of internal stuff. Can you organize quarterback, put a deck together, communicate, you know, uh, can you make decisions, all that stuff. That's a lot of internal, you know, I'm also interviewing an entry level person thinking down the road, is this the kind of person that can go develop the kind of relationships we need with our external partners and clients. And that's a skill set developed over time. It's developed primarily with the same, um, sales skills that are taught when you're in that telemarketing room, which is um, the ability to ask open-ended questions and do a lot of listening. And I'm a big believer. Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. And that is the way of the world for developing relationships. And if I can find people that can go out and do that well, um, that's a huge asset to the organization.
0: You're speaking my language, man. Like It it is all about... Uh, it is all about building relationships but also like know that a relationship is an outcome right like it takes a long time to build build trust uh you know be able to communicate effectively and then you are always building this relationship right like it is not just like pick up the phone hi we now have a relationship thanks no it's you've got ah. to build that over time it takes uh you know it's a it's a it's a foundational ass a foundation it's something foundational that continues to grow and you've always got to put time effort and energy into those relationships because when you are looking at you know careers uh, down your career you're going to lean on those relationships whether you're looking to go do you know I'm in sales right like when you are looking to go close a a, a big sale right like or a small sale right like you are leaning on those relationships to get those over the finish line Um, and that happens internally, externally. It's such an important piece of life, let alone business.
1: Yeah, it's also quite honestly the most satisfying part, the relationships you build with your employees and your peers, people you work for, Mm -hmm. your clients. I mean, it's really what I do all day is work on the relationships with all of those people um, I just mentioned. And, And it's interesting. I'm at a place in my career and life in my early 50s, been doing this a long time. Um, the industry as you know is small Mm. and relationships the relationships get built over all that time the people that I was in early league meetings with when we were sales managers are now CEOs and presidents and um, and like a lot of those relationships are paying off for me at this stage of my life because I'd follow up with people I'd stay in touch with people I'd seek people out when I went into cities and or conferences and You know, you work at maintaining a lot of these relationships and you try and be as a likable figure. That's not something you, you you I guess you're conscious of how you are to others. But if your baseline is kind and friendly and positive and open and vulnerable and low ego and sharing, you know, you do all that for a long period of time and you collect a lot of friends and I'm, it pays off in business. I mean, I, there's a result to that. Totally. That's good for business.
0: I also, I, there was a way back when I talked about Marty earlier, he yeah. had a person come in and they, and they uh, and he was talking to us and it says, your personal brand matters. So when yeah. they say Chad, when they say Rob, what are the things that they think about and what comes to mind instantly? That's your brand. And you can always think about like, all right, where do I need to improve upon? I'm not going to lie. When I was uh, with the uh, Red Sox organization, Larry Lucchino was the owner of our team, CEO of the Red Sox for a long time. He's a Princeton educated, went to Yale law school with Hillary Clinton, worked on freaking Watergate, right? Like he's the guy and he's so much valued uh the written the written word the language that you would say and i'm a springfield college jock educated uh you know i kind of get by with you know at the time you know try to get by with personality and and, and such and that drove him crazy so i my personal brand uh needed to improve on my written communication yeah. i tried my ass off to make sure that i was you know c- clear and concise to him so it could better our relationship. So then we can continue to work together more productively over time. And I think that personal brand, as you, uh, as we were talking about matters so much, it can always be improved as long as you are honest uh, in your self-reflection.
1: Yep. I I also think there's a, there's a thing we haven't talked about called career momentum. Um, Hmm. You know, I think, um, you know, I tell people, you know, if you could do it, your your best bet would be you never really have to go to interview for a job, meaning I'm you're never like, oh, man, I got to get I got to get out of here. I got to do something else. I'm looking. I'm talking to recruiters. Um, if you are fortunate enough to be around people that are focused on your career and you're doing a lot of the things we're talking about, what should happen and what I think can happen, I've seen it happen for a lot of people. You get tapped on the shoulder more often than you have to go search. Someone says, hey, man, I'm going, I just took this job over here. I need now a VP and we worked together at the previous place and you want to come with me and, you know, finding mentors and people that are successful and on a growth track can be, you know, very helpful to that too. So um, I do like to talk to people about like your decisions about your career ideally will show that you're on a path and you've got momentum.
0: Momentum. Yeah. I like I like that career momentum. I might yeah. title the podcast "Career Momentum" <laughs> with chat. That was, I mean, that was, that was that's solid stuff right there. That's solid <laughs> stuff. I we are I think probably over the time that I said we would we we would do.
1: I talk a lot.
0: I no, this has been this is this is really really great. Um, but I gotta ask um two last questions. Sure. Um. Uh, one uh, people were asking me about this. When I was talking about the Cowboys and all this stuff. You know. Mr. Jerry Jones is one of these guys that's like a sports business icon. You obviously yeah. are very close with working with him. What's that like uh, on a day-to-day basis? How has that relationship yeah. grown? Um, he's just such a main, I want to call him a character, but like a main figure in sports, right? And I think people are interested on what that interaction is like.
1: Yeah, so I get asked that a lot. I think the answer it's different than people might perceive it to be because of the kind of celebrity media figure Mm -hmm. he is, doesn't fit with, with the day-to-day. So the first thing I would say is um, this is a family business and he treats me like family. And uh, that was almost day one. I mean, it was right away and uh, and it felt different. I've worked for uh, five owners in professional sports and this almost immediately felt very different. From a inclusion family, uh, wanting you in and around and there and and um, you know, uh, there's some there's some cool stories for that, that where he put that on full display. And his three adult kids that work in the business, which are Stephen, Charlotte, and Jerry Jr. And their offices are all all four of them are right here. I'm around them all a lot, and uh, it's a family business, and they treat you like family. But Jerry specifically, so a couple things I'd say about him. First of all, he's just such a big thinker that I'm like, I've tested, challenged myself before, like you were challenging yourself on the written. I'm like, I need to think bigger. Like, how can I get closer to thinking as big as he does? And I'm falling short. Like, you just can't. Like, he's yeah. just at a different level. Um, and and he's such a risk taker. So those things go hand in hand. And um, so you're, I'm always kind of amazed at like, God, he, you know, he, he changed the whole stadium building. You know, he created a whole new era in 2009, the billion dollar plus NFL stadium that no one would have ever figured out how to pay for. And he did. And now we've got eight more of them, you know, six yeah, that, the, and two coming. Yeah. So, the Nashville
0: one was just approved last night, right?
1: Yeah. and And so he, you know, that's just one massive thing he changed. It was it was huge risk, Rob. I mean, no one thought that made any sense. Just like no one thought it made any sense when he paid 150 million dollars for the Cowboys when he <laughs> did. But so big thinking. I'm getting a little off there. Big thinking is one. Secondly, he's an opinion seeker. So I think most people think, oh, you go in a room with Jerry and he's going to just tell you how it needs to be done. You're going to go execute. Absolutely not. He wants the opinion, particularly the people. That have sub- subject matter expertise, and he's a listener, and uh, and most of the time he'll go with what the subject matter expert suggests. Sometimes he's gonna he's gonna decide his own, and and you all you can kind of tell when it's like, all right, we're gonna do it that way, <laughs> way because he's made it pretty clear. Um, and uh, and then he's also highly engaged. Still today, at eighty years old, he wants to talk about the business. He loves business. Yeah. He loves winning in business. And um, so so those are the main things I I always tell someone, you know, the uh, I I feel I have great gratitude to have an opportunity to work with him and his family and for this brand, because uh, we always have the resources to do it in the most first class way. That's a tenant of the Jones family. Is everything we do. We're going to try and do first class. He wants to be the best at everything. Um, He wants to win. He wants to generate the most revenue. He wants the most valuable franchise. He certainly wants to win a Super Bowl. And so you're in a place where it's like, what do we need to do to be the very best? What resources do you need? They've never shorted on resources to get there as long as you could show you're headed toward the result. And we get to work on the biggest and best things our industry has to offer. We've got the World Cup and the Super Bowls and this great stadium and then legends and so it's like you know, I just feel super fortunate, um, and I've spent 16 years with one of the the greatest innovators of our industry of all time. Super cool. That's awesome. And, I, and I'm gonna say the last thing: I like being around them. It's yeah, that's great. And energetic and fun, and um, one of my core tenets of culture is is fun, and you should allow fun. And we never have an exec meeting where there's not laughter. Yeah. Right. You got to laugh. And he's the, he's the best. He's (laughs) walking around and, you know, it'll be, we'll be serious for 10 minutes and then he's off on some story or tangent or, and then we'll bring it back. And it's kind of, you know, I like to say when I got here, I was like, man, this fits how I want to work uh, because the way the family rolls. So it's great.
0: I love that. I love that. And I, we, you have taken, you have been so kind and generous with your time today. Uh, I am so appreciative of that. We're, we're recording this the day before uh, the NFL draft uh, starts. Best of luck to the uh, to you. the Cowboys in, in the draft. I'm sure. I'm sure you are, and uh, I'm sure Kansas City will put on a great show. Um, and I've just been watching, like experiencing the draft. You see, like the old, like Pete Rozelle, like writing on a chalkboard of what the, what the NFL draft was to now spectacle um you know tens of millions of people watching it on, on on tv um what a what a show uh it has become
1: yeah yeah well we could say that about a lot of our things uh, we yeah, i feel like we've been in this kind of golden era of sports and the growth we've had over over the last i mean you know multi-billion dollar franchises and it's good for people like us because we've had a chance to grow with it um, and had a blast doing it. So, Rob, I appreciate the time. I like what you're doing. I think uh, trying to give young people, you know, we didn't have tools like this very much when we were coming up. I'm older than you, but at least I did. And um, I to did, uh, to build a dish some wisdom, hopefully some good wisdom out to people that are getting started um, and being helpful in any way, um, I think is a super cool thing that you're doing.
0: No, thank you very much. It's uh, it's definitely a, 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 lo- a project to love. And uh, just been, I just have fun doing it, right? Like us just talking today it was great. Um, well, uh, best of luck. Uh, thanks a billion, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon.
1: Sounds good, Rob. Take care. Thanks.